starting a new series today. Uh, last week we concluded James, which was great. Loved that series on the book of James. I'm sure you all did as well because you may have tuned in through podcasts or even re-watching the live stream as well. Um, but loved that. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me from that series on James, okay, yeah, you're seeing this. You're going to hear it in just a moment. But was talking about wisdom for me was one of the biggest, godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. And when we were thinking about that thing more, getting ready for our next series, it, it's all about the decisions we make in the midst of situations, okay? You may recognize this, this, this series title, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Anybody remember that old Spaghetti Western? Remember Spaghetti Westerns? I see two hands back there. Okay, those were great when the Italians got into Westerns and made these awesome Westerns, some and others not so much. Uh, but when you cast somebody that is amazing, the one and the only, Clint Eastwood, can I get an amen? Right? Don't you just want to bow, 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 all right? Right turn, Clyde. Anybody remember that as well? That's from other movies. That's for you, Diener. All right. But uh, I, I just think back to, to titles like this just pop in my mind when I, when I read Scripture. And this was one of those things, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's how we respond to life when it hits us. That makes sense, doesn't it? When we especially talk about that wisdom side of things and what kind of decisions will we make when we are presented with things that are good... That can be bad, and some things downright ugly in life. So what we want to do, and Derek really helped me with this too as we were talking uh, before this about a series that would be, be great when we talk out of the Psalms and Proverbs and from the life of folks like Job, you know, where we get, we get some good wisdom on life from people that encountered things that were good, bad, and some right, sometimes downright ugly. So today, what I want to start with is a character that, I, that is one of my favorites in Scripture that you've probably heard me speak on before, him as a person, but also someone that can really speak to our lives and the way that he lived and how he encountered things that were good, bad, and ugly. His name is David, okay? And we're not starting in the Psalms or, or anything like that. You've seen the book of the background for one of the characters named David um, from his life and what we see in the book of 1 Samuel and how he responded to a, a, a great... Um, uh, opposition in his life, a uh, maybe good, maybe bad, or downright ugly situation with a guy named Goliath, okay? And I know you probably, uh, if you have grown up in church, uh, you have heard the story of David and Goliath before. It may be one that you have been previously acquainted with, and you're like, oh gosh, David and Goliath, here we go again. I understand. However, we're going to see this in a new light from the eyes of David in a new way as we rediscover how David responds to this good, bad, possibly very ugly situation, okay? As I was reading in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 39 super popped out to me. Do you ever have that sometimes when you're reading through Scripture and this, this one verse or even sometimes one word will just like whoo, hop off the page to you, right? That's what the Holy Spirit does when you read God's Scripture. He illuminates. That's another job of, of the person of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate things that you need to see for that moment. And I felt like this was something for all of us that really formed my thinking in this first start to our series. Uh, verse 39, you'll hear about it in just a, uh, again in just a moment, but David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around 
because he was not used, used to them. He said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. What made me think in my mind, David was saying, that's not mine. And when we think about how David responded to, to all of these different aspects of folks within the story of David and Goliath, we see there's some things that David really says, which we'll get to in just a moment, versus what people are hearing him say. Okay, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So let's get a little background on the individuals here that you may see within the story may help a little bit. David, at this phase of the game, was about 16 years old is what they believe, um, which was too young for battle. Okay, because remember, this was an epic story, epic fight between David and Goliath and Goliath being one of the Philistines, which we'll define in just a moment. Okay. Um, David at an earlier age as a young boy, uh, by, um, was anointed to be king by a judge, prophet, and priest, Samuel. Okay. He was anointed to do that. And David's appearance, and I love this, he was described as ruddy, ruddy, R-U-D-D-Y. Have you ever read that before and wondered what that means? Where are all my redheads at? Where are you? Raise it up. Be proud of this, okay? Be proud of this. So what they were saying is David, you know, in a little bit more study here, that he was a redhead, okay? So he was a guy uh, that was too young, okay? He didn't fit within his, his area, okay, geographic area, as someone that would look like everybody else, okay? Okay, because we, when we raise our hands about the redheads, there's more brown hair folk in here, more blondes and all that, less of redheads. So he was already set apart in that way where he looked differently, okay? He was young, so he wasn't ideal. He, was, he should have been 20 to be in battle, okay? So we see that he was young, all right? And, but he was also very handsome, but fit, okay? But so we look at David in this way, and this is how folks looked at him at that time as he was about to fight this Philistine Goliath. The Philistines were a people group that were at war with Israel, okay? And they sought to, to annihilate. Now it started back, okay, because Jonathan went and attacked, which is Saul's son, King Saul. That's how it started again, but we see David pulled into the middle of this story, okay? And I want you, when you go home and, and read through this week, to read around chapter 17, because you'll get a lot of history that I think is very important for you. So then we also see this Philistine warrior, Goliath, that was known to be about nine foot seven inches tall. Can you imagine that? We were at the store last night, and this guy walked through with West Virginia basketball, okay? And he was clearly a basketball player. I was like, wow, you are a tall drink of water, okay? All right? And, and you know basketball players, they're, they're pretty trimmed up, big shoulders, stuff like that, pretty thin. When you looked at Goliath, though, he didn't look like a basketball player. He didn't look like a beanpole. He looked like a 9-foot, 7-inch tall warrior, Okay, they said his, his sword alone weighed about 15 pounds. The average sword was about between two and a half and four and a half pounds of a warrior at that time. Okay, can you imagine slinging around a 15 pound weight? All right, but imagine that weight going way out there. All right, he was a big boy. Okay, a really, really big boy. He ate well. All right, so when we look at 1 Samuel 17. All right, I, gotta get, I had to give you a little bit of background so you can really get plugged into this. 1 Samuel 17, we start in verse 33, all right? And we're going to see some context, okay? Because right here, when David, and this will make sense in just a moment, when he rejected Saul's opinion, he was really saying, God has created a path that is unique to me. So you'll be able to see this on your screen as we read along. 
1 Samuel 17, 33 through 37. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. He's been fighting longer than you've been alive, homeboy. Would that scare you just a little bit? Right? He's been fighting longer than you've been alive. But David said to Saul, your servant, okay, has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Little teenage boy. Can you imagine seeing this? This little ruddy, this little red hair scrappy guy coming out. You know, he's taking care of his father's sheep. And all of a sudden, the lion and the bear come along. And he's like, oh, no, it's going down. All right? This little guy just takes off. You know, and some, you know, a little crazy right there. Just takes off. For me... I'm reminded of a story when we went on our men's hike a couple years back of uh, Jordan Goody. We're missing him right now. They're traveling. Of, of when he was uh, with us at Dolly Sods and went and on, on a little hike on his own and came back rather quickly because he, could, he swore that there was a bear out there. Okay? Okay. Jordan Goody, I miss you right now. I know you're not here. Okay? But you ran from the bear, and that was a smart move. But David was a guy that would run in. Maybe it was teenage stupidity. Okay? But we'll get to this more. I think it was more than that. Would run in after. Okay, when the lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Look at this. So he pulls it from its mouth, and then when it turned on me, I would have probably tried to run then, would you? I think it would be a great time to run like this still with the sheep in my hand, where it's like, you can get the sheep. I'm running faster than sheep always because sheep's behind me, okay? Um, But after, uh, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, okay? Can you imagine that? Seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, okay? This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. You ever talk to somebody and their mind's made up? You know, sometimes we call that hard-headedness, all right? But sometimes we call that resolve. Saul hears this young, ruddingly, if we will, handsome guy say, Look, God's done it before, and there's no reason he can't do it right now, that he can't do it again. I've gone in after wild beasts. There's no way that he won't come through me on this. See, God has created a path that is unique to me, is what David was really saying. He's saying, look, I know you don't think I can do this. I know in your mind, Saul, you would say, do this, 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 and that. But I'm telling you what, this path that I've already traveled has enabled me to go in after this giant, just like I've gone in after that bear and that lion. See, a lot of times we forget, we look at other people's paths, and we try to get on that path, but God has a path that is unique to you, so that when the good, the bad, and the ugly come your way, all right, you can say, look, I know you're telling me to do this, worldly wisdom says that, 
I know you're telling me to maybe look at this this way. Worldly wisdom says that. But godly wisdom, God is telling me that my path is unique to me, and I will listen to him on this pathway because he has assured me victory before, and he'll do it again because his path for me is unique. See, David had courage and confidence. This path for him started as a servant shepherd boy, didn't it? It started as that boy that went in and took care of his father's sheep, that even went after those sheep because he wanted to take care of his father's sheep. It started as a shepherd, one who cared for the sheep, even more than his own safety at times, even more than his own regard. But he knew that he had courage and confidence because, confident because his path was unique to him and God was the one that forged it for him. He was also not just a servant, shepherd, but also a warrior. People looked in from the outside and said, ah, you know, I don't know about that. You're pretty young. I don't know if you're able to, because his brothers were all angry. Read the context. It's great. They've been there for, for, for days, okay? Angry, because nobody could defeat this giant. And here comes little brother coming up, only supposed to be delivering food, and then he comes up with this grandiose idea. Listen here, Saul, I'll kill the giant. And the brother's are like, here we go again. Can you imagine that? The little brother coming in with the great idea? You just want to like, bro, we've been here for days, a long time, and here you coming in with bread, okay? I'm done with you. His path was unique to him. The second thing is this. When David rejected Saul's armor, which was the context, remember, he was really saying, my future is found in the Lord. When he rejected Saul's armor, what does that mean? 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, in his own clothing. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? Saul was tall, okay? At this point, David probably was not that tall being a young boy, okay? I remember when at that age, I still had about five more inches to grow, all right? That was me. So you can imagine David walking around and just clothing that was too big, okay? Let alone Saul then goes ahead and puts a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. Can you picture this with me? It's like that picture of, of a little kid putting on a, a baseball helmet or maybe a football helmet that's too big and they shake their head and it just goes around. That's what I picture, okay? So you see David just trying to go around in this armor. The clothing's too long. He's probably tripping over it kind of thing. And then he gets on this helmet, sets down on it, and just goes, shink, or kind of thing, all right? And David's like, this is stupid. This is stupid. There's, it's not going to work. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. Because he was not used to them, he said, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used, this is not what I do. See, his time in the field prepared him, Right? Not to put on somebody else's armor, but to be who he was supposed to be in and through God. Okay? David had some things that were his. Okay? And what he was saying is like, look, Saul, I appreciate that, but that's not mine. That's not mine. I know this is your best advice. This is what you say will guarantee victory, but also protection because that's what they would try to do for their soldiers. But he's like, that's not mine. I can't even walk around in these things. I can't wear this. There's no way that I'm going to be able to win because that quick little ruddy handsome guy was fast as can be and I could just picture him zipping all around. Weighing down himself with armor would not work because that wasn't his. That wasn't his. See, 
and said also, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch, approached his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Have you ever tried to do things that you're just not made to do? We get, we get ideas. Like, I've done this with mechanical stuff sometimes. I like working on cars, okay? But then there comes a point when I'm like, I have met the threshold of my knowledge base. Anybody understand where I'm coming from there? And I say, that's not mine. I can't do that. I, I have reached the threshold of my knowledge. Yes, I can learn new things, but there comes a point when I say, that's not my bag. That's not my thing. I can't do that. So we see David come to that same place when he's like, you know, I'm used to my shepherd's bag. I'm used to my sling. I'm used to picking up smooth stones from a stream wherever I go because when my sheep are, are watering themselves in, they're not watching, but I'm watching. He's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, don't, I, I can reach out and touch somebody with, with my weaponry way more than I can with a sword or a javelin. That's not mine. See, God has uniquely gifted you, right? Your path is unique. Your future is unique. And it's for you. What he's given you in your bag is the thing that's going to give you victory. Don't try to work on stuff that you're, you know, you can still try to learn new things. I get that. But don't call yourself a carpenter if you don't know how to drive a nail. Right? And for me, I'm not a mechanic. I'll change oil, brakes, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have to rebuild an engine, and I'm okay with that. That's not mine. See what I'm saying? David understood in this moment that he had hope. And it goes back to 1 Samuel 16, 7, when we hear how, of how God chose David amongst all of his brothers. The youngest one was still to come in from the field, shepherding and doing what he was supposed to do. It went back to understanding that God has anointed me. And this was something that was intimate. Have you ever had times when God has spoken things to your life that nobody knows nor will understand? See, it gave David confidence in this moment as he's about to go face the giant and that God has anointed me to be king. I'm not king yet. However, if he's anointed me to be king, something like this will be nothing to him because my future is in God's hands. Third thing is this. When David rejected Goliath's ridicule, he was really saying, my victory is through the Lord Almighty. 1 Samuel 17, 41 through 45. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, right? He's sending someone out even in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. He began to make a mockery of David. He said to him, he said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? What did he have in his hand? His shepherding staff too. He's like, what do you got here, man? I got a spear that the head alone is like 15 pounds, something crazy. And it's long, and it's something that I can throw and reach out and touch somebody with. And you got your little shepherd's stick there. Oh, that's cute. I like it. What's your little leather thing you got beside you? Oh, it's a slingshot. That's cute, David. Love it. That's great. Okay, I'm going to make mincemeat of you as well like I've done everybody else. Smooth stones. Nice. What's that for? You like the feel of them in your hand, David? That's cute. Playing by the river again, huh, David? Love it. That's how I see it. Anybody else read it that way? 
He's like, I'll just send my shield bearer out in front of me. Maybe he can just hit you with a shield and knock you down. And then I'll just like on your neck or something. Love what you're doing here. Appreciate your effort. Love how zealous you are, David. Great job. But um, I've got to make a 12 o'clock appointment. Let's get this done. You picture that? Okay. That'll be fun. Read it that way. He kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. He says, come here. He said, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I'll just throw you up in the air probably because I can do that too if I want. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. See, David knew here that he had victory assured. He knew that he had God on his side because he's had God on his side before. He was probably ridiculed, I'm sure, by his brothers as well, especially coming there bringing bread and just trying to bring food. They make jokes about him. Aren't you supposed to be watching the sheep? Why are you coming up here to the battle zone, David? And we see this this ridicule from Goliath that could have cut to the bone. Just the words themselves. Think about it in your own life. You've probably experienced some ridicule. You've probably experienced people trying to rip you apart with their words alone. And you're like, there is no way that I can even go into the fight, let alone stand here right now. But we see here that what David was really saying in this time of ridicule is that my victory is through the Lord Almighty. That God will make this happen. And the weaponry that I have is sufficient because it's what he's given to me to use. Sometimes we don't feel like we have enough. We have enough power. We have enough armor. We don't have enough weaponry. We don't have enough of whatever it is to stay in this fight. When we look at someone like David, this teenager, crazy, goes up against this seasoned warrior, been fighting longer than David, been alive. And he says, look, I'm going to tell you what, homeboy. I see what you're doing here. But I serve someone that is over everything. And you messed up when you talked about my daddy like that. You see that? He's like, you ready? Let's go. I've been out fighting lions and bears. Did you just picture this with me? Come on. David's like, who is this man? I fought a lion. I fought a bear. Who is he? I can hit him. He's tall. Easier target. Great. My victory is through the Lord Almighty. And the last thing is this, guys. The last thing, worship team, if you wouldn't mind to start to make your way up for me this morning. The last thing is this that we're going to conclude with. When David slayed Goliath, he was really saying, I reject the status quo. Now, what does that mean? I reject the status quo. See, the status quo defined as the existing state of affairs, the way things are and will always be, right? Sometimes we work hard to maintain the status quo, don't we? See, when in Israel's eyes, the way things had been for quite a long time in their mind, probably at this point, was that we are never going to win. Every day it said, Goliath would come out and make a mockery of them. Send me someone. Bring it. Don't sing it. Send me someone. I need some practice. Send me someone. With David's bold action in this moment, 
He was taking the status quo, what was known and understood as the people of Israel, and he was set to throw it out the window. Why? Because he did slay the giant. 1 Samuel 17, 48 through 51. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, I love this, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. A lot of times when we look back as the, into the quote-unquote Old Testament God, we read something, because he's the God that's the same all the time, okay? Um, something like this, and we're like, well, how in the world would God want somebody to die? How in the world would he want this, this giant, you know, to die? And what it brings to mind in the true understanding here is that God loves his people so much, the people of Israel there, you today in this way, he loves his kids so much that he'll do whatever it takes to protect them, okay? And we see that he enabled little David to quickly run to the battle line to make sure that he could sling that stone, just one, because there were more in the bag, right? It was said that maybe Goliath had some siblings that needed to be slain later, right? That he could run to the line and he could fight the giant with what he had in his bag, his skill set, based upon his unique path and all that God made him to be. Israel probably thought this will never change, will never beat the Philistines. And when you think about this in your life, when you think about this, have you looked at things and thought they will never change. It seems, it seems as though this is always going to be maybe a good thing. And this is, this is the best it's going to get. Or, or this is just a bad thing. And it's always going to be bad in my life. This is the way it's been. And honestly, it's just my status quo. It's how it's always existed. It's how it's always been since it started. And there's some things that are just downright ugly, and it seems as though it's always going to be ugly, and that is the status quo of your life, that this is just going to be ugly. But someone like David, this teenager, inspired by the Lord, showed us that that path is unique to him and to you, that God has your future in his hands like he did, David, that God will enable you to have victory, okay, but also that as you slay those giants in your life, you too will be able to help others see victory as well. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword. Remember that big old sword that was Goliath's? He took a hold of that sword because he didn't have a sword in his hand because he didn't need that when it was for his fight. But when it was on the finish him moment, anybody ever play that back in the day? What was that? Was that Mortal Kombat? Okay, all right. Finish him. All right. I was like, yeah, finish him. What's wrong with me? Okay, let him live, man. Um, but David stood over him with his sword. The very thing that David was threatened by, could have been, the very weaponry that was coming against him, he then was able to take hold of and seal the deal, if you will, with this giant. 
After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Ooh, that's, that's nice, okay. But when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. One act of confidence and courage changed the battle. Changed everything. Because David believed enough that it could happen. See, I'd love to tell you that after that, everything was perfect for David. I would love to tell you, and this is why a lot of his writing in the Psalms would talk about that. You know what I mean? Because of what he went through in his life. I'd love to tell you that it was perfect. I'd love to tell you that Saul was like, David, you're the man. This teenage boy, he is getting elevated right now. He is going to be amazing. No. Saul got angry. Saul got jealous. Because David was a mighty warrior and Saul wasn't anymore. Saul couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. So what happened? David went on the run at one point in his life. 1 Samuel 21, we see that. I want you to read that on your own this week. When David went out on the run and he went to, to, to a place that was important where something very important was stored. It was that same sword that he'd killed Goliath with. It said that and later that he went there and they pulled it out from behind the effort. They pulled it out and they took the wrapping off what some say was even the, the tunic, the warrior cloak, if you will, of Goliath. And they pulled out the sword. Because David was reminded in that moment that God is able. I go home to Fredericksburg sometimes, or even down to my basement sometimes, and there's these old swords that Dad purchased on QVC. All right, My father was a trip, y'all. I'm telling you what. Homeboy was a trip. He'd get like a 700 knife package, Matt. I'm not joking. He'd, he'd list like, hey, Jess, I got a good deal on this one, all right? He would take these with like the, the William Wallace sword, okay, and then a bunch of, dude, it was hilarious, a bunch of them, and then all these pocket knives, and he'd go out and sell them to people and make like 700% profit. So when I think back, <laughs> here's a trip. When I look at these swords, it reminds me, you know, when I see these swords... This one is like, the, like Dungeons and Dragons stupid. I'm like, why did you buy this? Like how it's designed. But it reminds me. It reminds me of God's faithfulness. That I made it through my dad passing, you know, and that God has brought success to our lives. You know, married an awesome wife, have great kids, and you guys as our family, and all this that's happened. When I look at the sword, I'm reminded of all that God's done. And David, when he was facing what was to be a downright ugly situation, he was reminded of the faithfulness of God. So what I want you to do today is find the sword of your life. What does that look like for you? It may be a token. It may be a thing, you know. I haven't got rid of the Dungeons and Dragons one that I have at the house yet because it's just, it was dad's. You know, I'll keep it for a little while longer. But what about for you? What has God, what has God done but also, what does he need to remind you of today? Because we know that good things will happen, bad things will happen, and even downright ugly stuff will happen in our lives. But all we have is our response. This sword here is one of the greatest reminders of how faithful God's been. So what are the scriptures you're placing around your house on your wall? You know, maybe it's that. Of when he came through. 
Because you're going to hear some throughout this series from, from different folk about some of the things that they've seen God do in the Psalms, Proverbs, even life of Job, folks like that. What is your sword? What is the reminder? Maybe it is a scripture. Maybe it's a, it's a token. Maybe it's something that reminds you of God's faithfulness. Because when the good, the bad, and the ugly hits you, how will you respond? Godly wisdom, worldly wisdom. David was known as a man after God's own heart. If you read about his life, you say, that dude was messed up. Terrible dad, adulterer, bad leader sometimes. But he was a man after God's own heart. The reason why is because of the repentant heart that he had. He knew that he didn't have it all figured out. But he knew he could be reminded of God's goodness and his call. Do me a favor. Close your eyes with me this morning. And I want you to, in your mind for just a moment, to, to, to visualize the sword. Maybe it is that portion of scripture that you go back to. Like for me, Ephesians 4, live a life worthy of the calling that's upon your life. Something I go back to. But when you see the sword, you're reminded of God's power. You see the sword, you're reminded of God's path for your life. When, when you see the sword, you're reminded that God has your future in his hands. When you see the sword, you know that God's victory is yours for the taking. When you see the sword, you're reminded that you're to reject the status quo and lean into the one who will set your life into motion regardless of what is going on around you when you see the sword. God, we thank you that we can come to you as David did many times in some of the darkest places of his life and we can say, I haven't had it all figured out. A child coming to a father and saying, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I just, I messed up here and there. And there's, there's ways that I don't even know how I've messed up and what I've done. But right now, Dad, right now, God, I ask forgiveness. Not out of, uh, out of fear. Because I don't have to be afraid to be around my father. I love being with my father. But I ask out of the understanding that my father is the one that holds my future in his hands and that he holds forever in his hands. And, and I want to honor him with my life here on earth. And, and I want to give everything to him. I, I want him to do amazing things through my life. I know that there's going to be things that are good, bad, and downright ugly. But I want to remain faithful. And it starts with a repentant heart. One that turns from a way of life that is not scriptural and not of the Lord and turns to the one who holds eternity in his hands if that's something you want to do this morning and you might be starting a relationship with him for the first time or maybe rebooting your faith today because you know the Holy Spirit's told you some things that you need to work on if that's something you want to do can I agree with you this morning what does that look like that agreement you're talking to God about things right now you're conversing with him but Sometimes just uh, looking in someone's eyes for a moment says a lot. And I want to agree with you this morning. And the way we do that is just like if we were sitting at the table together and we, we look at each other for just a moment, I acknowledge what you're feeling, and then, and then you move on. So if you want to make that decision to, to turn toward him, maybe for the first or, or to rededicate your life and, and say, yeah, again, just look at me for a second if you don't mind. Okay? Right? Okay. Okay. All right.
alrighty. Okay. Alright. A lot of us. Okay. That's what it's about. It's family. We get real. Nothing to hide. Always being real with it. Okay. So God, we thank you for the honesty that's in this room this morning. Transparency, Lord, the vulnerability. We say thank you for that, God. The next thing we ask for, God, is that you would infuse us with true identity from you. That we will know our path. Lord, that we will know our future even. That we will see victory in new ways, God. That that we will reject the status quo to run after the one who has made everything possible. That's what we want to do, God. We thank you for this teenager turned man that can be the example for us of what it looks like to be humble, but also to be hungry. Lord, we thank you for that. And we love you. And we bless you.